Blog Talk Radio. Hello, 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 everyone. Kaylin Patterson, Midwest Muscle, P for P, Real Talk in the house. And this program is sponsored by P4P Muscle, the number one drug-free sponsorship foundation in the world. And if you are a drug-free athlete and are looking for a solid foundation to stand your goal, you're, goodness gracious, having trouble talking and a vehicle to drive you <laughs> like a Mack truck through ice cream, check us out at p4pmuscle.com. And now let's chit-chat with the banter. I am Kaylin Patterson. My co-host, Desiree, was still out with the stuff going on, and we wish her well, but we have a phenomenal guest who can definitely, and I mean definitely, hold her along, her own with any and everything <laughs> because she be remarkable in all she does says and acts. So with no further ado, let me introduce you to Tara. Get it right, Thatcher. And she is extraordinary. I, I don't really want to start doing the accolades because we would run out of time for the show. So Tara, please introduce yourself to the Natty community, to our fitness fatheads, and just let them know who you are and what you do. Thank you so much for the glowing introduction, Kaylin, and thank you for having me on the show. Desiree, we hope you feel better. Um, I, I guess I would have to start a few years back. So I really enjoy a challenge, and with that in mind, I joined the Marine Corps out of high school because I needed somewhere to go and decided to go where they had the longest boot camp. So I just yeah, that's kind of how I look at life is that I enjoy a challenge. And when I was finished, I really enjoyed uh, the physical training part of it. And I learned a lot about mm. lifting weights while I was there. So I uh, took that and became a personal trainer at Valley Total Fitness um, after, after I got out because I really developed a passion for working out and for fitness and wanted to learn more about it. A fellow trainer was doing a bodybuilding show. And this is a long, long time ago. Uh, and asked that, the rest of the training. <laughs> <laughs> so asked us to come watch and support. And I had I had never been to a bodybuilding show. I didn't know anything about it. So I went and watched. And figure was actually a brand new category. And it was yes. it was an NPC show. And they had developed figure for specifically for the fitness competitors that were getting hurt while they were performing their routine. So it was the physique round of fitness without the routine. And this was the first time I had ever seen it. And I would have to liken it to horse shows because I used to show horses and we used to bathe the horses, get them all groomed up, shiny, like all decked out, looking their best and bring them out for the judge. And when I watched these women walk out on stage in the figure division, I was just in awe of how, feminine and beautiful and strong and, and just all of the things put together that I really wished that I was or that I didn't see mm-hmm. myself. And I was so inspired by that, that I decided that that was my next challenge. So I, I knew nothing. Um, as many first time competitors, it, it can be really hard to find information and resources to be able to know what you think you should going into your first show. And I did as a personal trainer, I did all my training and nutrition. So I was kind of guessing. Um, no, I was mm-hmm. guessing. 
the whole time and it was stressful. I practiced posing in the corner, like looked at pictures from muscular development magazine for like the quarter turns and suggested poses because there wasn't anyone really in the area um, specializing in, in posing. So I did it myself. And a lot of the competitors back then were really competitive in a different way where mm-hmm. you know, I knew a couple competitors and would ask them for help, but they saw you as competition. So they weren't really like taking clients oh. or trying to, yeah. trying to show people. Yeah. Trying to show people like posing or anything like that. So I just, I was winging it, you know, practicing in the corner of my gym, hoping nobody would watch. I um, got to the first show. I, I did the 2006 uh, Mr. NANBF Mr. Ms. Minnesota as my first show. And that was the mm-hmm. actually the first year they had it. And I got to the oh, show. I was really excited. Right <laughs> yeah. So I, we, we also, fun fact, used to wear a one-piece and a two-piece for figure. And oh, back then, our sh- our suits were velvet, which is making a comeback. I remember I that, yes. <laughs> so I got to the show, and I I had a friend with my mom helped me with my tan because they didn't they didn't have spray tanning back then. You literally got a bottle of, you know, Jantana or Pro Tan, and somebody painted yep. it on you. And it was so it was a little different experience. Uh, a friend of mine came with me and did my hair and makeup because I was probably the world's biggest tomboy and didn't know how to put on eyelashes or, or do any of those things. So it was really fun to, to experience that. I got backstage and I had like a freak out moment. I, I looked around at everyone else and I was like, I don't, I don't look like anyone else here. Like I don't feel like I look as muscular or as like may, maybe my skin is not as thin, you know, I was just looking around and I, and that was probably the first time in my life I felt like physical comparison with other women mm-hmm. in that way. So I, I got really scared and I told my friend that was there with me, I think I'm not supposed to be here. Like, I, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. I feel like I should leave. And she looked at me and she was like, yeah, you know, you don't look like anyone else here, but you have worked really hard and you would be really disappointed in yourself if you left right now. And I was right. So I stayed. Uh, I got up on stage and felt just the biggest flood of emotion. It was, I felt powerful. At the same time, I felt paralyzed. I felt confident. I felt everything. Like I just, it was, a, it was more than I'd, I thought it was going to be. And I really enjoyed it. You know, um, it made me nervous. I was afraid, but I also really like, it was like an adrenaline rush. So we, we got done with prejudging because back then all of the shows were done in the prejudging and finals format and Mm -hmm. came back for finals and was not expecting to place. I had a class of nine people and I was just proud to be on stage and to have felt the way that I felt because that was, in my mind, my win was doing the mm-hmm. show and feeling that way and actually feeling really comfortable and confident with who I was probably for the first time in my life. And I got called out for the top five and I was like, I think they made a mistake. Um, right. I, I don't, I don't, again, I was like, I don't think I should be here. And they're calling fifth, fourth, third. And I'm standing there and I'm like, 
they made a mistake. Like, how can I get off stage? Can I pull like an Ashley Simpson where I do like a little jig and like run behind the, you know, oh, run behind goodness. the curtain. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they called my name for first place. And I was just, I, I had no expectation of that. And I was just like honored and I felt so accomplished, not because I got first place, but because, I didn't expect anything and it was just such a huge like win for me personally. Uh, so after that, I actually had somebody at the show ask me if I would help coach them. And I thought about it and, and I told her, you know, this was my first show and I, I totally winged the whole thing. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing to be honest with you. So mm -hmm. if you give me some time, like I don't feel comfortable having somebody helping somebody because I don't really feel like I have enough information. And so I, that kind of sparked an idea. Um, but I, I was totally hooked on the feeling of being on stage because I wanted to feel more like that in my life, more confident, yeah. more comfortable, more powerful, um, and just better about myself. So I signed up for the next show. I did the NPC Minnesota state show and in between the two shows, I had a few too many slices of Domino's pizza and maybe a few too many drinks, you know, um, because I didn't really know how hard it was going to be in between. And I got back up on stage and felt awesome and then decided after that that I wanted some guidance because even though I was a trainer and I knew a little bit about nutrition, I really didn't know much about posing and I really felt like having somebody to help me would take a lot of that stress off of my plate and help me learn more about it from somebody who knew more than I did, which could have been just about anyone. So, <laughs> so that's kind of where I started. And I just got the, I just got the bug hard. I came back the next year and won the same show, the NENDF show and just kind of kept going from there. And, and I, I really, stress with my clients like you should have a very strong why behind what you know why you're doing the show and having that helps you keep moving forward so it kept kind of changing for me as I kept moving forward my why changed mm -hmm. you know it was to push myself to see where I could go with this because right off the bat I was really successful with it and I really enjoyed the process I enjoyed being on stage and a lot of people around me didn't seem to. So I feel like that became kind of my no my weapon. My weapon is just is just being comfortable up there and kind of pushing the limit and and doing some things that other people weren't doing. Because I'm I'm I feel like when I watch, I like to see unique things. You know, I like everyone to have kind of a different style. So I I, I did that myself, and then um, I did. 13 shows in eight years. So it was kind of a long-term commitment for me. I started, mm -hmm. and then I, and I started coaching because I felt like after I had more experience, I had more to offer. Exactly. So yeah, I, I tried. Really well. No, go ahead. And I tried several different federations because I wanted to see what was out there. You know, I feel like, there are different federations for a purpose and everyone can find one that works for them. So I, I competed in the NANDF, NPC, 
I competed in WBFF and Fitness America. And I found that I kind of doubled down on posing, which was what I was really good at. And I found that Fitness America for me and that at the end of that was probably where my best fit was. Mm-hmm. Now you you've done take us taking us down uh, memory lane with a lot of valleys <laughs> because I know it's it, uh, a lot of the new <laughs> new bugs new competing uh, they got to be scratching their heads like what the heck is that? But I actually mm-hmm. uh, started my personal training at valleys and really honestly I thought at the yes I I thought they had given the most to offer for personal trainers and personal training because they were always updating the, what they expected for the, for the trainers and also sending us to the different, uh, I guess, courses that were updating mm-hmm. what they were doing and what they had in mind. And I, I know at the Y, I just didn't get that, the YMCA, and I sure didn't get that over at uh, Gold's Gym. You basically sure. had to find a place to go. And hopefully it was close enough to home where you weren't taking days off from work. So it was, it was a nice uh, addition to my life. And I thank God for him. I, I was sad to see him go because you know they seemed to be doing mm-hmm. the most for the the people that were members and the workers. So, you know, but I really appreciate it because it took me took me back a ways. And I definitely can uh, identify with uh, competitors back in the day not being so forthgiving with information. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going out to a show uh, on in uh, in in, in, uh, in Ottawa. Yeah, that's where it was in Ottawa, Illinois, and just mm-hmm. seeing guys throwing a beat down on each other because they knew they were one and two, and they actually they never made it to stage because they'd been kicked out of the venue for fighting. So it, it was <laughs> it just yeah, it, it just blew me away. I was like, you know, I, if this is a sport, if they want to call it that that I want no part of it because it just seemed mm. like the last thing I'd ever want to have my name attached to. You know, thank, thankfully, sure. you know, the fitness family has truly become just that, and we realize there's yes. much more to gain in supporting each other than tearing each other down. I, I actually hope that we can infiltrate uh, mainstream America and, and share some of that love more about so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we can have less anger and frustration. But, you know, let's yeah. get back to you. It's just an amazing thing what you've done. And I do have to hearken back to you saying, you know, even though I've competed, I still don't know enough about me to basically address the, the facets of you and, and getting you on stage because mm-hmm. I, I know that's a lot of people's first thing they do after a first show is basically throw their, their wares out there and throw their hat in the game and their competitors, coaches, and nutritionists. And I'm, I'm just I'm just baffled how one show yeah. can bring back intellect. So it, it's always uh, it's always a little bit baffling to me where where I see that and I'm like, well, wait a minute, you just did your first show, and like you said, a lot of them did wing it. Granted, they came up with a good formula, but it was a unique style for that unique individual. It's not something that should be mm-hmm. formatted for everyone. And uh, if you could just speak on that, because I know you have seen it, and sure. I know that as I have seen it countless of times, where people's health are the last thing in mind. It's just basically an, an overall look to get them on stage and, you know, come hell or high water, either they win or lose. But after that, they're pretty much thrown to the wolves and no concern about, you know, getting back to normal life or 
not having that yes. drive to have a show coming up. So just speak on that because I know you've had to deal with that sure. quite a bit. So I, I do see that a lot, Kaylin. I see um, some first-time competitors have success at the show and then end up, uh, off, you know, like offering services as a competition coach or, or trainer. Yeah. And I think I think that part of the issue there is the amount of validation that within the community that we give for what physique looks like, what the physique looks like on stage and how the success is measured in placing. And then a lot of people think about that or say like, hey, you were so good at this, you should coach someone. And there's a lot of um, validation, I think, sometimes misplaced. You know, and I think that there should there should definitely be celebration around those things. But if that's mm-hmm. all we're looking at and that's all we're validating, we're missing such an integral integral ugh, integral part of it. And I think that that is, you know, where a lot of moral and ethics comes into it, where we say, you know, like for me, I had no desire to ever coach when I started. It was literally a bucket list item for me. And for somebody to come up to me, I felt ill-prepared myself, and I didn't want them to feel the way that I felt. So I knew mm-hmm. that that wasn't something I wanted to give them. And I think what happens ends up happening is that every year we see at the local shows, at the you know regional shows, that a lot of people are successful, and then they, they go on to offer you know contest prep. And they don't understand enough to do right by their clients. And that, to me, is the biggest concern because, you know, not only do they maybe not have the right tools as far as certifications or background in competing, knowledge about, you know, the opposite sex, whether it's men and women or, you know, menopause or things like that, hormones, whatever, but there's just so much that goes into this. So I think that it's really, really important if you're a new competitor to look for a coach who is not only a competitor, but who is actually a coach and has coached Mm -hmm. for quite some time, because there's a lot of things about the industry that have taken me a really long time to learn. And I've been doing this for a long time and things change every year. So if your coach is is only teaching, like, I specialize in posing presence and mindset. I, I do not offer training or nutrition anymore because I found that that was something that I wasn't passionate about and I wasn't doing a great yes. service for my clients. So I had to take responsibility mm-hmm. for that and say, like, I need to just double down on what I'm good at and just stay in my lane and really be specialized in that area. So I I found that that's what I really ended up being good at teaching. But I also started at like, I started out teaching what I knew for myself. And then also, as I grew as a coach, I learned to, like, I think that every year I learned a little bit more how better to help people understand themselves and to find Mm -hmm. what they were good at so that we could work on that. And like, for me, that looks like when I meet with a client, you know, identifying their why and also building all of their poses and transitions around how they normally move, like what makes sense in their brain. So I'm not teaching them something that's so far removed from how they would naturally do it. And that looks different for everyone. So it it continuously challenges and pushes me 
to keep learning and keep growing and be resourceful and, you know, open and creative to new things. Well, you do it well. I can tell you that. Uh, there's a Thank lot, you. There's a lot about this uh, sport that definitely needs to, uh, I guess, grow up uh, in. And I'm glad that mm-hmm. you're covering those facets right now because, you know, I, lo- I love this sport. I'm very passionate about it. But there's also mm-hmm. things definitely need to be, be corrected. And, and when we're talking about someone's life and their health, because, you know, I've, I've seldom seen one competitor that didn't have anybody that cared about them or had concern about mm-hmm. their well-being. And, you know, when, when you compete, there's a lot of time in between the thought and the actual day of, of competition, if you're doing it correctly. And, you know, there's there's a lot of thoughts that go through your head. And you have to be prepared to answer those thoughts for people that are trusting mm-hmm. in you. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I've seen a, a, a competitor that looked absolutely phenomenal. I mean, just lights out when she walked in the building. I said, well, there's the buzzsaw in the room because she was hands mm-hmm. down the best-looking person there. But her diet was one of those extreme ones and basically just enough and she had that you know when people talk about having good genetics that's one of the people that I refer to not the ones that basically work out and and their muscles respond to everything but basically the, the one mm-hmm. I was referring to the genetics are the ones that survive these extreme diets and then lack of nutrition and still have phenomenal physiques when they step on stage like a, a, yeah. she's the best that I had of basically looking lights out on stage but having the worst life you know before, during Mm -hmm. and after stage and it took years for her to uh, basically want to put herself out in public and she ended up growing to hate uh, the bodybuilding you know of of all sorts and it it just hurt because I said with someone being that driven and I can just imagine if she had a proper diet and proper posing and proper mm-hmm. support, what she could be doing in this industry now. And I mean, male and female, yeah. I've seen it. It just it just hurts because I said sometimes we're suffering, like you said, because that we put the trust in the wrong people. So now you know you yeah. and I know good coaches, we know good nutritionists, but how do we spread that format and take it out to the masses, to where general populace, not the ones that want to compete. But just the people that want to look good in life, you know, around family during the holidays and all those things and realize, you know, you don't have to be on a competitor's diet. You don't have to basically hate yourself or hate the process of competition. I think that's that's so well thought out and so needed, I think, right now. And, And I think that for everyone, you have to start with happiness. You have to be accepting and happy yes. with who you are right now, because if you keep chasing these goals and thinking that those things, like this next thing will make me happy, I will be happy when I lose 10 pounds, I will be happy when I get on stage, I will be happy when I'm this or that, when you're making your your love for yourself conditional, that drives like in, like an immense amount of unhappiness and dissatisfaction. So I feel like being comfortable where you're at and having goals and and having like a little celebration when you reach them, but having goals in in your whole life, not just with how your body looks. 
because I believe that health is not just physical, it's mental, emotional, spiritual, social. And if we aren't taking care of all of those aspects, then are we healthy? Because mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that you touched on was like mentality and how mentally draining this can be. And a lot of people don't address that. And that's why I include in what I, in what I coach in is mindset, because if you're not in the right mindset before you start this process, you are setting yourself up for an immense amount of pain and just things that you could avoid afterwards, like the post-competition mm-hmm. binge and blues and hating how your body looks and always apologizing for how you look because your self-worth is tied up in what your body fat percentage is at if you don't look like you're a, what you were on stage, you know, and that's just unfair. So I think that if we can just show everyone that health looks different for everyone and that, you know, just the way that your body looks outside doesn't make you happy inside. I remember being like at my physical best when I was competing at junior nationals and junior USAs and, you know, working so hard to get there and looking at pictures of myself and having just severe body dysmorphia and crying because I thought I was fat at, you know, seven and a half, eight percent body fat when I actually had abs and how miserable I was. And people would validate me so much for how I looked, but I was miserable. I was tired. I was hungry. I was weak. You know, a lot of people look at that outside, you know, finished product and think it must feel so good to look like that. But in all honesty, for most people, and this is not all, for most people, that is probably the most miserable they've ever felt. And Mm -hmm. part of the issue is that we're validating that exterior too much. Like, I think that with my clients, I want to make sure that we're focusing, you know, around competition about telling each other, like, I'm so proud of you for, you know, reaching this goal or for how, you know, like sharing a story with how they made you feel good about something instead of just validating how they look because if we only focus on that and that's how we're expressing worth then we are the problem yes oh oh, you you, you're preaching to the choir on that one because uh we had martin drake on and one of the things that uh he was talking about was you know our fixation with the shredded everything instead Mm -hmm. of basically the criteria for what the organizations are asking. And I'm glad you brought that point up because each organization has a different set of criteria. And, you know, a lot of people, especially the newer coaches, don't really do enough research or do their due diligence. And I'm not going to call them anymore. I'm not going to call them coaches because they're really not because basically they're just putting money in their hand and putting somebody on a cookie cutter something. But aside Mm -hmm. from that point, there's a lot that needs to be addressed uh, when it comes to criteria. And he was saying, you know, because people are saying, well, this is the person that's most shredded, then that's the one that's going to win, hands down. And one of the things that really got me is I said, then what's the point of having other criteria if all you have to do is basically cardio yourself down to a, a certain look and then basically let's see who, who does the best job of that? Because the concern sure. that I have from back in the day, I said, you know, with the, with the enhanced community, I was always concerned about the abuse of drugs. With uh, the natural community, I was always concerned about the overall health of the competitors. And if we're not addressing the criteria in its fullest, then we are lacking 
in doing due mm-hmm. diligence to the competitor. And if all we're saying is you have to be the most shredded, then I'm very concerned that that's mm-hmm. going to bring about a competitor that's willing to risk their life to compete. And I yes. just can't. Yeah. I just, it just, it scares me to where, because I said, if you, you can't do two extremes and expect somebody to actually quote unquote win, there has to be balance in the format. And I thought that was the whole mm-hmm. purpose of criteria is basically saying if this person matches up to the criteria best, then that's the one that wins. Because I said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of afraid that there's going to be a person that's so lean that their health doesn't withstand what they're asking of their body because the mind is a powerful Mm -hmm. thing. And I've pushed Mm -hmm. through some really emotional times and wondered how I made it out with my sanity. And there was Mm -hmm. one thing I never put there, and that was my health. And I'm I'm concerned that somebody is going to come up with the formula that it, no matter what, it's worth it. And if we keep pushing for the supreme lean and not the muscle size, not the the density, not the you know, not mm-hmm. the everything else, we keep making that the only thing. I'm very concerned that there will be an athlete that might die on stage. That's just something that's always in the back of my mind. Uh, have you thought about that? I or is that something? I I 100% agree with you on that, and I see every season. Like I have competitors who work with a coach who has them on 800 calories or something ridiculous. And I want to talk about like your number one priority should be your long-term health and should be your relationship with food before it is getting on the stage. And the do whatever it takes mentality is old and it needs to go. Like we need to stop allowing that to be okay. Or we need to stop feeding that because, that only damages everyone that subscribes to it. And I think that coaches have so much more influence than they realize. And they need to, to take responsibility for that and know that people are putting their literal lives and health in their hands and take that as such an honor and like a humbling experience and really doing their best for people. And if they don't know, I think that there is a lot of, I'm going to say it. I think there's a lot of ego in the industry that needs to go. And it's just frustrating. It's frustrating to watch people who don't know the answer, give the wrong answer or do the wrong thing by their client because they're too proud, too stubborn to say like, Hey, you know what? I don't know. Or like, Hey, can I just, I want to like in my network, I have a trainer that specializes in this. Let me talk to them and get back to you. So if we could, I feel like if we could just let those things go and come together as a community, I think we could do so much better by all of our clients, by networking with each other and communicating with each other without ego and doing that for the good of the client, for the good of the competitor, for the good of the greater good. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, I, I, I was talking with a fellow, and it, it hurt my heart because he's an up-and-comer. But the one thing he said, you know, his arrogance has pushed him through all kinds of barriers and boundaries. And I said, you know, I respect that on a personal level, if that's what it took for you to get there. But when you're talking about someone's health and well-being, I'm a little mm-hmm. concerned about that because you don't really factor in anyone else if the goal is you. And I, I was just mm-hmm. I was hurt. Um, to hear those kind of things, but 
you know, thank God we have the the other side of it, and that's you and, and your passion where you're saying, look, you, you, you have to matter to you. And a stage mm-hmm. isn't going to do that. Uh, there's no wow. accolade that you can get that's going to help that. And you've spoken about this in length many times in some of your posts, a lot of your articles, and a lot of your journals. So, you know, when, when you're just coming across a person, I, I, I'm thankful that some you can be a mentor, an actual mentor, and not just someone basically just throwing out cliches or whatever the next big meme is and, and, and basically piggybacking off of that. So, you know, when you're dealing with a person that's broken, and I know you have, uh, when you're dealing with the person mm-hmm. that's broken or the that's recovering from the, the mental and physical damage that's been done to them and the broken trust, what's the first step to basically bring them back to the life? So if, if I have someone I'm concerned about, like they, they share with me their struggle with their trainer, and I, I hear something that's very unhealthy, I have decided that I'm just going to be honest. Like I'm going to say, you know what, I thank you for trusting me and sharing that with me. I am concerned for your health. And I'm telling you that because this is not healthy, what you're doing, and I want you to talk to your trainer about it or ask them why. And I find that when, when I think a lot of clients unnecessarily put their trainer on a pedestal and think that they don't have the time or they don't, you know, they don't deserve an explanation, and that's wrong. If you're the client, you're paying for a service. And if you have a question, you need to ask. And you should yeah. want to understand how this process works and, and what this does to your body. And if something is going wrong, you need to have communication with your trainer to be able to address it. You know, if you're having a bad reaction to the food you're having or if you're being, you're like extra stressed out and you just can't take anymore, you need to be able to communicate that. And I think that when people are interviewing uh, trainers, like one of the things that gets missed a lot is expectations, expectations from mm-hmm. the trainer to the client and from the, tr- the client to the trainer, you know, as far as check-ins go, how, you know, how, how are we communicating? Are we touching base on the phone? Are we texting? Are we doing email? Because there's so many ways to communicate right now. And I feel like tone gets misread on all of them. So I think that just getting on a phone call with them and just talking about it will help everyone feel better. And if you ask why and you get, because I said so, or trust the process or some BS answer like that, it's, that's a red flag. And like, you need to also establish like with your trainer, what is their goal with you? Is it overall health and wellness? Is it just, just do whatever it takes to get to the stage and do well because they're, you know, their training or whatever they're doing is riding on your success. I don't agree with that. I think that each person, their win, they define their own win and their success may have nothing to do with a trophy on stage. So if that's how you're attracting clients, like maybe looking at that and say, like, what is my goal with my clients? Yes, I want everyone to do well but I want them to have the best experience possible. And I really want them to fully understand what they're walking into. You know, I think a lot of, of a lot of current competitors don't haven't been to a show, don't really know what's going to happen. So those are things that I want to talk about. Like when I, when I have group sessions is, you know, I have one this weekend and I want to talk about the different federations and what the requirements are as far as posing mm-hmm. and, 
some of the different rules because I think a lot of people don't know where to go for that or don't understand what it is, even if they have access to the resource. So making sure mm-hmm. that we're explaining all of these things to people so they understand because it doesn't matter whether I have the knowledge or not. It matters whether that person walks away with the knowledge that they need to be successful. So I think that yep. we in this industry need to get humble. We need to get honest with each other and we need to work together to help everyone do their best instead of, you know, sinking to like judgment and, and ego and things like that. So if we could help lift each other up, if we could help celebrate everyone, we could create a better overall environment that I think would spill over to the mainstream. That amen to that. Uh, Shalanda just brought up a good point and she's asking, uh, it sounds like you have a business, but we haven't really addressed that. So could you uh, let your, let, let everyone know uh, what you do and, and how, how, sure. how they can reach. Yes. So I coach competitors in posing presence and mindset. And I have found through competing that those are the three things that you can control the day of the show on, on your own. So you get mm-hmm. to decide what your mindset is like. You control how you feel on stage. You control your energy and you can control your posing. So those are the things that I feel like in combination can help you have the best experience as well as make you feel very powerful in your own life. And a few things that really helped me learn more about competition besides competing, I have emceed at shows, I have judged, I've expedited, I've led the judges, um, judges meeting, talking about what the expectations are, what the criteria are for, for that federation. I have done a lot of things within the industry that have helped me understand all aspects of the show so I can help people understand that more. And I think that mm-hmm. that gives me a unique and very competitive edge in coaching. I'll say that, yes. Yeah. Here, here. Uh, one of and the things that I, I, I noticed was yeah. you know, one of the things I've noticed is that you're very comfortable interacting with anyone. I mean, the general populace, people in attendance at the shows, and mm-hmm. basically people with questions that others can't answer. I mean, you don't interject yourself, but you do find a way to get that response made correctly. Because I, I think that's one of the biggest things that's uh, been missing, and you pointed that on pointed on that earlier. And that's basically not having a correct answer, but just giving a response. And that doesn't help anyone. I, I've, I've known many, many, many athletes that have left the show and venue scratching their heads because they were giving basically a cliched response or, or, or just an action that did ha- didn't have anything to do with their presentation or how they looked. On stage, so I'm glad that uh, you know you're offering that out there. But even if it's at the show live, you can explain on hand and right there where you know, hey, this is what's going on. Because I know there's a lot of people that mm-hmm. have showed a lot of pictures, and I'm really disgusted with that. I think that's one of the cheap shots mm-hmm. that some of the, the the competitors are doing, and it, it saddens me to see it where they get their best picture and say, you know, how can this with a look like this? How can I? Yes. Yeah. 
And I'm saying if you if you're basically filtering and doctoring a photo and with the hope that that's going to somehow turn back time and, and put you back in first place against people that clearly were better than you at a live show, it, it, it hurts me. But, you know, it's like you said, because we're so driven with this, I guess, fundamental nature of winning at all costs. Sometimes, mm-hmm. it, I mean, because there's only going to be one winner. And then I'm just surprised mm-hmm. that coaches don't share that understanding more. It's like, okay, the journey, the process, this is you at the mm-hmm. beginning, this is now. You know, why are why, why are we pushing so hard basically to boost our own egos or stroke our own uh, pride at the at the risk and concern of someone's mental and physical health. So I'm, I'm glad that you can step in and be that voice that balances out everything. Because I, like I said, I've, I've been around you a lot, and I know you can hold your own in any format or any group. So mm-hmm. I, I, we need more people like that because you're a true blessing. Thank you. So when, when you're dealing with the the naysayers and the negative people that are basically trying to destroy just to build themselves, you know, what caused that is, because that's a maternal instinct. I, I love how motherly you get with that. What <laughs> brought that way of fighting back without fighting, and how can we, you know, add that to the mainstream of uh, of natural bodybuilding as well? Gosh, that's, that's such a powerful observation, and, and I think that, well, thank you for that. And I think that I want to be the voice for people who don't have the courage to say what they want to say because I have been the person with no courage before, and I wish people would have spoken up for me, you know. And I, I think that every, and I think that one of the things that everyone could could do is to to de- decide what winning looks like to them because. Winning might be getting on the stage, you know. We don't know anyone's story unless they choose to share it with us. And I think that the judgment should be left to the judges that day. I think a lot of the negativity sometimes is from the audience. And a lot of that is personal, like, value and, and their projection of how they feel onto the people on stage. So it really has nothing to do with the competitors. It has to do with how they feel about themselves. And that mm. makes me sad because if we were just open to hearing everyone's story and giving them a chance to share, you know, like, you know, instead of saying like, oh, you didn't win, why? Like, share something about your experience. Like, what did you really enjoy about it? And also helping competitors manage expectations. I think that people believe sometimes, and a lot of this is from the coaches, if you're the hardest worker on stage, you're going to win. I don't believe that that's true. I think that it's anyone's game. I think that anyone can go up there and just take it. I think I watch classes and I, and I watch how, how the competitors make me feel. And this is something that I learned when I was, when I was judging, you know, you watch a class come out and you have one person who just really wants it, who takes that class, who feels like they're commanding the stage. So I think a lot of where we're failing right now is with feedback from the judges, from coaches, because yes. instead of validating people and saying like, yeah, you didn't win, you were totally robbed, whatever. That's such a, just such a, a negative way to go. I, I yeah. ask my competitors to give themselves feedback. I ask them to get videotape or have somebody video them on stage and watch it. I will watch it with them and say like, what do you see? 
Like, what do you think you were really good at? We're going to start with that. And then what are some things do you think you need to work on? Because I can guarantee you that almost all of my competitors that, that sit and watch and, and give themselves feedback, give themselves exactly the feedback they need. Not from the judges, from themselves, because that also shows them that they're taking responsibility for what they're doing. You know, I had a competitor this year who did two shows and she watched video from her first show. She came back and she shared with me, I, I walked too fast. I was, I felt like it looked a little sloppy. I need to slow down. I need to be a little bit stronger in everything that I do. And like we worked on that. So that makes it so much easier to take all of those things and correct it or not even correct it, but just take it to the next step because like you don't, I don't expect anyone. And I don't think that the expectation should be placed on first time competitors to go out there and win. Like, I think a lot of exactly. trainers put so much weight on, on getting hardware, getting a trophy. And then when the competitor doesn't, they feel like they're disappointing themselves, but also disappointing their trainers. So I think that that's another place that we could do a better job is just saying like, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm so proud of you for getting up there. Like just the amount of time, energy and effort it took, to do this really paid off for you. And I'm really proud. And it doesn't matter what the placing is. Like, I think that, uh, that right. we really need to stop validating that and just, and just celebrate where they're at, where they're going, because it means something different to everyone. Yeah, it does. And, you know, I, I was one of the people when I was still on the sidelines, I hadn't stepped on stage yet. But I had an interest mm -hmm. in uh, when I learned about natural bodybuilding. I, I can't say uh, for the enhanced, but when I had mm -hmm. really started understanding natural bodybuilding and realized it was a different entity, uh, one of the things that used to scare the crap out of me, because I can't, you know, I, I, I thank God I didn't have social media when I was growing up, because I can't imagine the pressure <laughs> I, I would have been under, you know, because, like, mm -hmm. I would look at some of the things, and it's like going for my pro card, and I'd be like, why would you say, I can't imagine, you know, like telling another team, well, I've already beaten you guys before we even got out there and, and addressed mm -hmm. the actual game. I, I said, I can't imagine the pressure because basically you're you're doubling and tripling the, the pressure that need not be there at all. It doesn't even need to be present yeah. if you go out there and do it. Because like the first time I played basketball, I thought my heart was going to burst in an organized mm -hmm. game because if my heart just beating a mile a minute. I can't say the same for football because it's like I grew up in that. Even though it was a skinny stick twig, getting hit wasn't a big deal. But uh, mm -hmm. for football, it was a lot different. And, and baseball and volleyball, you know, those were ones I had to basically learn from the bottom up. And and it, it used to terrify me to get out there. And, and I said, man, I can't imagine if I said, you know, going for my first win – uh, can't wait to get my MVP award. I, you know, it's like, <laughs> why yeah. would I put that kind of... Yeah. But it's be commonplace when you're talking about the natural competitor and the natural athlete. So I, I love how you brought that out and how we do need to take a step back and really address the practice, the growth, mm -hmm. you know, because if nothing else, you're not the same person you were when you started. So, no, you know, no. A blessing. So, you know, when you're walking mm -hmm. them through and you basically bring them back to reality, because I think we've become a, a mythos in, in far as uh, this understanding that, you know, because you did your very best, you're going to win. That's not the truth. 
That's just simply not the truth because I've done my absolute best and still had plenty of room to grow. But even though I'm at my best mm-hmm. at that that's not the best me down the road. So, you know, how do we sure. basically you know, bring reality into an understanding that even though you look phenomenal and you can go back to your, you know, start of the process until the day of the show, and you you can look like your absolute best. I mean, I, I, I know as far as an athlete, I was always ready to compete, but looking mm-hmm. like an athlete, that took some years. And sure. I can tell you, I was sick for a lot of years doing my, my best with numbers. But if you talk about a presentation in a, in a uniform, I think they had to sew some of those things up just to make them fit my stick figure. So it, it, it's, it's the ideology of, you know, your, your absolute best wins no matter what. That's a myth. And I, I'm, I'm loving mm-hmm. how you're bringing that out, but I know and when you're doing the seminars and all these uh, and presentations, there has to be the person that says, you know, but I work really hard. And they're kind of going, mm-hmm. it's almost like they're fighting themselves, trying to relay it to you where you'll commit to saying, well, maybe you were right, because I know that's not something you're going to do. And I think, I think there's, I want to clarify this too. I don't think there's anything wrong with being competitive and wanting to yes. do well. I think I think I I love that because when you see competitors on the stage who are competitive and who really want to be there, you feel it and that not only raises the kind of standard for for the other competitors in the class, it makes them more interesting yes. to watch and it feels more yes. engaging. So there's nothing wrong with being competitive on stage for men or women. Mm-hmm. But I think that that we need to also start as trainers, as coaches, helping clients manage expectations, like going in to just going in to win. Like, what does that do for you? Like I, if somebody told me my only goal is to win, I would say, well, what does that mean for you? Like what, how does that make you feel better? Like what, why is that the only thing that's acceptable? Because if you're going after first place and you get second or third, and that's just, terrible to you you know there are people there that would be very satisfied with those placings and I I definitely like like to see people with drive who want to keep going who want to keep improving but there also needs to be a little of humility and saying like you know what somebody else came and in the judge's eyes they were the best that day how can I step up my game and saying I take mm-hmm. responsibility for myself and not blaming anyone else like it isn't your trainer's fault it's not your coach's fault you're the one on stage. So you have to take responsibility yeah. for everything that you presented. And if that wasn't what won that day, it also doesn't mean it wasn't good enough. You know, like there was just somebody who had something different. So learning, yes. like, how do I bring my best and how do I reinvent myself every time so that it's not boring, so that I'm pushing my limit in everything that I do, you know, like, how am I, how is my mindset? Am I showing up like, saying, hey, I'm here, I'm confident, I'm comfortable, I'm powerful, I'm mesmerizing. Like, what is your self-talk when you're on stage? Because that you can manage. You know, if you're, if you're afraid, use that to your advantage. A little fear means that you care. If you aren't a mm-hmm. little bit afraid, then you don't care or you got too cocky or too comfortable, right? So making yes. sure that you use that to your advantage. And I see so many competitors who – 
are at the show and just look miserable to me. They're nervous. They're nervous. They don't know what to do. Like they spiral down. And then all of a sudden I see a post on Facebook that says, oh, this is the best day of my life. And I was like, huh? I'm so confused because I saw you and you were terrified, crying in the back. And then all of a sudden we're telling a totally different story when we can just say, you know what? I got there and I was terrified. I was afraid of falling. I saw all of these other people. Like share the actual story. You know, that to me is so much more pure and more honest and so much more inspiring. Like I, you know, a lot of people say they're afraid of falling. You know, that's the biggest fear for most of my clients because they don't, you know, majority of my clients are bikini and figure competitors. Some who know how to walk in heels, some that come in and and just are, are real fresh with it. But a lot of them say like my biggest fear is falling. And for the longest time, I had never seen a competitor fall on stage. And a few years ago, I had a competitor that fell on stage. And, you know, so I tell this story when they say, I'm afraid of falling. Now, I had this competitor and I'm expediting. So I'm right there. She mm-hmm. had a really bad week before the show. She was practicing posing like for four hours before the show. So she was spent. She was tired. She was depleted. Like she had nothing left. She got on stage and I saw her wobbling. I saw her shaking and I'm watching and I'm like, she's going to go down, you know, mm-hmm. and she, she fell and she got right back up and she fell again twice in oh. one class. And she got up the second time and took her shoes off and she stayed, she stayed up there. And I was, I was thinking in that moment, Like, man, I don't know what I would do. You know, I hope that I could say I would stand back up. But what if I didn't? What if I was so afraid that I, like, ran backstage or, like, that I just, you know, like, froze or whatever, you know? But she kept getting back up, and and she came back, and she came out for another class. And she didn't place in the class that she fell. She came back, and she won the master's bikini class and won her program. So... I saw her the next day and I asked, you know, why, why did you get up? Like, I was so proud of you for getting up, but I want to know why. And she said, I have two sons in the audience. They're watching me. Both of their dads are dead. I am their only parent. And if I don't show them that I can get up when hard things happen, when I fall, then no one will. Wow. And that that was so powerful to me and she could have gone on Facebook and said, I won my master's pro card and not shared that story, mm-hmm. but, but she shared that story. And I thought that was so awesome. incredibly powerful and moving to watch someone take that, what everyone is afraid of and just make it awesome. Wow, that is beautiful. I'm glad you shared it on the airway. That is what I'm talking about because that's what makes all the difference to the person that's watching. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it's just amazing. And, and every show is different. Every prep is different. And if we're not willing to share it, then, like you said, we're not really being ourselves and we're not being genuine. And I think the most mm-hmm. genuine people stick around the longest, have the best lives because they're at mm-hmm. peace with themselves. And I've always been, I've seen it a lot 
I mean, an awful lot where you have somebody that's one way at a show and then making these supremely positive posts. And, it, and there's nothing wrong with the way they're written, but it's just not what really happens. So, you know, I, I, I like a lot of times I put uh, hashtag reality because it, yeah. it's like regardless what happened at that show, like I, I, I had been put out of a venue once. And and everybody was confused as to why. And I said, because I messed up. I mean, like, this, mm-hmm. it was a guy on stage that was doing everything to lose because he was so confident. You know, I've been winning at these other shows. I'm going to win at this mm-hmm. one, too. But this was a sanctioned event, meaning an organization that he had been doing shows at colleges, uh, you know, uh, basically uh, put, I, I don't, I don't want to denigrate them, I, but it just, they just sure. weren't better. They didn't have criteria. It was just, you know, how somebody looked. The you didn't deal with posing. Did didn't deal with mm-hmm. symmetry. It, you know, the, it was just mm-hmm. winning at backdoor shows. And I, I don't want to lessen those because you know people work for those shows just like they work for anywhere else. But at sanctioned events, it's 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 a lot different. And there's there's mm-hmm. criteria and there's there's a methodology to it. And he had just somehow been you know, whisking under the wind three, four shows in, and he'd won what they would call an overall. And he was really yeah. cocky. I mean, the best way to say it, really mm-hmm. cocky. And I was like, dude, I don't know what's going on. And I was so close to the stage that the head judge couldn't be heard because I'm just livid that this guy is basically ruining his whole opportunity of winning because clearly he, he looked phenomenal. But his posing was just atrocious, and 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 I said mm-hmm. yeah, I'd been to that show so many times I knew what the judges expected, and he was not matching up to any of it in the slightest bit. And I said, all right, you're you're down, you you're already out of first place, you know. And I'm just going on it, and they were like, get him <laughs> out of here, get this guy out of here. And and I I had posted about that because a lot of people were like. You know, it, it, Kaylin, I can't even imagine you getting put out of this venue. And I could have said something stupid, you know, like, yeah, they had no right to put me out of there. You know, I'm there uh, doing mm-hmm. stuff to cover the show. And, and I was like, no, I, I, I dropped the ball. I was saying, uh, not that, you know, I don't cuss, so I, that wasn't a problem. But it was just one of those times where I was incredibly loud. You know how loud I can get. And when a head judge mm-hmm. is rolling out band stories, that is not the time to be yelling and screaming. And, you know, right. I dropped the ball. And I, I told them, when they were asking about that, I, I just let them know. And they were like, well, you know, hopefully next time you can keep a cooler head. I was like, you best believe I'm going to keep a cooler head because I sure don't want mm-hmm. to be that the memory for anyone else that attends a live event. Um, mm-hmm. I really appreciate everything you've done, everything you are doing, and everything you will do. But I do want to uh, give you the time to give some shout-outs to the people that have basically been in your corner and helped you become the great woman that you are today. Wow. Thank you. Um, I wanted to piggyback on what you just said and say that the way that we learn is by making mistakes. I didn't learn all of the things that I know by being really good at it at first. It was trial and error. It was falling flat on my face. It was, you know, it was a lot of things that went into it to create that learning moment for me. And sometimes as a coach, that is my, my toughest 
uh, that's one of the toughest things that I face with my clients because I, it's so clear for me sometimes where I'm like, no, if you just do it this way or like I'm trying to explain it and they don't get it, I think we all also have to allow people to have their own experience. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because I had to have all of my own experiences and people probably tried to tell me or tried to help me, but until I had the experience, I didn't know. So, you know, I think that we also need to show ourselves some grace and say like, Hey, you know, I messed up or I made a mistake. I I too have gotten very cocky. And one of the lessons that I think I learned from one of the shows I did was humility. And I really needed that, you know? So taking that and like taking the lesson out of it and, and using that in your life, because I feel like the stage is just a metaphor for life. You know, we want to, we want to be our, we want to present our best on stage. Well, we also want to present our best in our life every day. So how do we, you know, how do we take the lessons that we learned there and just use it for life? So um, as far as shout outs, I would have to, give a big shout out to my favorite trainer and coach that worked with me from 2007 to 2011, um, Sean Mishka. He was not only a great trainer, a great communicator, a great mentor, he was someone who helped shape how I coach. So had I not had a coach like that, I wouldn't be where I am today. So that would be mm-hmm. my big, that would be my biggest shout out. And to all of my clients when I, from when I started coaching for giving me feedback when it was hard to hear so that I could get better at what I do to better serve my clients. Because that's one thing that can be for, for trainers, for coaches, it can be really hard to hear feedback that says that you're not performing at, or delivering what you said you were. You know, mm-hmm. but that's an opportunity. But I think that feedback is such a blessing because if we didn't get feedback, we couldn't get better at what we do. So, you know, I think that that was huge for me. That has been something that, that I still ask for all the time. Like, what can I do better? Is there a different sequence that I can teach this in? How can I improve on the service that I offer? And, and I just, I, I want to thank everyone that has given me the feedback and, and my clients now that helped me with that. So I think one of the things that I love about what I do is when I work with clients privately is I get to learn more about their story. I get to learn not only about why they're doing this show, but about their life and what this means to them and how we can work together to just, help them grow as a person because I think one thing that a lot of people don't talk about is in this process I feel like there's an immense amount of personal growth if you want it yes. I, th- I think that mm-hmm. you can learn more about yourself more about how you work more about the way that you learn and I think that's really valuable you better believe it is you better believe and, it is and, and one of the things that I really love is I, I coach clients privately, but I also do group sessions because you aren't alone on stage. You know, I've, I've practiced alone by myself for so many years. And when I got to the stage, it feels different. And the way that you, the way that you feel and you present yourself has to, has to work with that. You know, if you're practicing alone all the time, 
I would say get with, get around other competitors, get around other people and practice with them because it feels totally different and the energy is different. You can feel the people around you. So you have to be yes. able to manage your energy and manage your presence, posing presence and mindset in that scenario. And it doesn't mean that it's a threat right. or anything negative like that, but it just, it feels different. So when you can practice, not only by yourself, but in an organized group, I think that's a huge way to learn that aspect of it, as well as to build relationships with people. Because I think that one of the best things that I've gotten out of this industry are the relationships. You know, I've had a lot of people give me opportunities because I took the time to talk to them. You know, I, before social media kind of wrecked the game, I, I had a product sponsorship. And I got to travel a lot and go to the big events because I, I networked, you know, because I talked to people and I was open mm. to the possibilities that were there. And I had promoters that would fly me out to judge, to MC, to help promote the show. And I really like those opportunities helped me get to where I am today. So if people mm -hmm. wouldn't have taken a chance or given me an opportunity and I wasn't available for that opportunity because I was caught up in something else, I think we all need to maybe just be a little bit more present and be open to those possibilities and to connecting with other people. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. And, and to me, that's the beauty of the sport because I, mm -hmm. I don't have to be on stage each and every time. But I love being right. present to support what's going on. And I think that's how you get true growth is when you can have the light shine on someone else and still be just as happy and mm. still be just as attentive yeah. and still be just as aware that, you know, there's something going on other than you and there's other people that need to have the spotlight on them every now and then. Because I, I just don't understand why, you know, we haven't grown as a sport, but then I look at a lot of times where we have a lot of local athletes that don't come to the local shows because they're not in it. And I, I'm just kind of amazed by that because we, we talk about, I mean, I've seen people start eight months away promoting a show mm -hmm. because they're going to be in it. But then if they're not in attendance or, or having anything to do with it, there's nothing about being in the venue. There's nothing about being around the athletes. There's nothing about the natural community at all. And I've always been a little mm -hmm. bit baffled to see that when there's so much going on that could increase the industry. Because I said, if we don't support ourselves, why should anybody else? And I, I think, you know, we, mm -hmm. we are remiss in driving ourselves to do a little bit more. Because, like you said, if we're growing, then we're going in the right direction. And, and you know, I, I said, if, if, if you grow, that means you have to have other people involved in your life. And I haven't seen anyone, I've heard people say they've made it on their own and they did this show on their own. But if you really get the backstory, there's over a dozen people involved in their lives day to day that have uh, mm -hmm. brought them to that new place that they are. And I, I think, uh, you know, with the ego and pride, we, we tend to, dismiss the support we're giving because it's expected. And uh, I I love the fact that, you know, as a, as a group in the Fit Family that we have, I know it, I when I put hashtag Fit Fam, I really mean it. I know mm -hmm. there's too many names to list, so it's better to just do the hashtag 
and address everyone because they know and I can see them face to face and thank them in person. Um, really appreciate this show. I mean, the listeners loved you and they got hearts all over this thing. So, uh, oh, you, good. You know, done, good. Yes, you've done very well. And uh, how can people uh, get in touch with you for your, your contact information? And what's the next event you have for the posing? I know you said something about this weekend. Sure. So I am on Facebook. I am Tara Ann Marie Thatcher. I'm on, I also have a page for my, my coaching services called Perfectly Prepared. I'm on Instagram as well. And I have, uh, I do group sessions every month. And mm-hmm. the, the one this month is, is this Sunday. And we take about three hours and I talk about all of the things around prep before, during, after, because I think that for me, support through all of that is, is very important. And a lot of people don't talk about, and and more people are talking about this. So I I need to rephrase that and say, not say that people aren't talking about it, but a lot of people need to talk more about how they're feeling after the show and setting some goals for themselves outside of fitness so that they don't fall into this post-competition blues and just stay there. Um, And I also talk about like a lot of different things around the shows, like setting expectations, talking about the different federations and making sure that people have maybe better clarity around those things so that they can make the best decision for themselves. Amen. Amen. But I have, I post, I post all of the group sessions on, I post all of the group sessions on Facebook. So if anyone like has a question for me, I'm super happy to help because I feel like, For those of us who have been in the industry for a long time and have a lot of knowledge and resources, we are ambassadors to the people who are coming in right now. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we can give them our best so we can continue to make this a better place. Amen to that. And uh, I I can just preface that with uh, my dad telling me back in the day, you might be good, but you ain't going to be great forever, so you might as well start teaching others to show your greatness. And mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to say, you know, exactly capping what you just said. And, Tara, thanks so much. Uh, really enjoyed this show. <laughs> Time just flew by. It's like I, I can't believe we've done an hour. <laughs> I, I wish we could do more because you are definitely a gym uh, and not a hidden gym a very outspoken gym, and I love the way you shine, whether it be in, in, in public or behind the scenes or even in exhibition uh, at the shows. So thanks for always being there, even for this show. Thanks for stepping in and, and holding your own. I, I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan, and I love what you do, and I love how you go about doing it. So any parting words before the, we end the show? Oh, I think that thank you for the opportunity to talk about a lot of these things. And I think that if we can just stay positive and stay focused on, on making a difference, we can create such a huge change and a ripple effect because everyone that we can influence by sharing an idea or giving them a tool to move forward with, they can share it with someone else. So if anyone needs help with anything, please reach out. I'm here to be a resource and somebody that can give you feedback. So if you, again, like I, I really enjoy 
my role in this industry right now, and I'm I'm here to help, as I know you are as well. Amen to that. Tara, Tara, Tara. Thank you so much. Uh, everybody, this woman, you get get to know her. I'll just say it like that. You get to know her. And for Des, I'm sorry you missed such a, a great opportunity to hear a beautiful mind sharing her existence and her knowledge. Uh, for our listeners, thank you for listening. I mean, this is uh, these are some pretty good numbers I'm looking at. You guys just blow me away with how you know how to listen sometimes instead of asking questions because she's basically addressing everything that you already said to ask. So thank you for your feedback while the show was going. I didn't want to interrupt her because she did some amazing things with the, with the knowledge she was sharing, and it was answering your questions anyway. So I didn't uh, miss you guys. I understand that it, all we had to do was wait, and she would touch on the subject sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Tara, again, thank you so much. Um, I got nothing else. Uh, Des, you missed a good one. <laughs> so for the P4P guys, Caleb Patterson, Des, Midwest Muscle, P4P Real Talk, we are out. Thank you so much for listening.